Let's get ready to rumble! Welcome to Dragon Age Off the Record, episode 8, live! This is Mages versus Templars. Fight! I am your host, Elizabeth, and with me is Road. Not to be confused with Rage. Oh, wait, are you Rage or... You're Road. You're Road! <laughs> so I said not to be confused with Rage. I know, but you did it to confuse me. I know the way your work. You know nothing. We are doing this show live today because Inquisition is right around the corner. I'm not going to have time to edit this before Inquisition comes out, so I figured let's go ahead and do it live. So any kind of audio problems we have, they're just going to be on the podcast. How about that? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Oh, dear. We also want to hear your input in the chat room because I remember when Rage star- Road started to... Ha! <laughs> you did ha! it! Ha! You jerk! You started to stream Dragon Age 2. There was some very intelligent conversation and passionate conversation going on in the chat room. I hope to repeat at least a fraction of that tonight. I know we didn't give very much notice, but that's what happens. So, this is our last show before the launch of Inquisition. Are you excited? I'm exceptionally excited because after the launch of Inquisition, I'm not going to really care about anything in life. That's why I got everything out of the way. I was telling you all this stuff I was completing before this episode because I'm like, ah, there's, I'm not going to do anything else. <laughs> yeah. And this is the show we've been itching to get to for over a year. This is the Dragon Age 2 show. Dun, dun, dun. Because I have a feeling that one of the hosts may be fired by the end of this episode. Guess which one it might be. You shouldn't be so hard on yourself. How would I fire myself on the show? Oh, don't worry. I'll take over. <laughs> no, you won't. We'll see. You can find us online at questgamingnetwork.com. Like us at facebook.com slash questgamingnetwork. Tweet us at Dragon Age OTR. You can find me, Mistress LeBeau, that's L-E-B-E-A-U, and my co-host, That Road Guy. Hi. And you can watch our coverage of Inquisition at twitch.tv slash questgamingnetwork and later on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash questgamingnetwork. Yeah, we're going to be hopefully streaming Inquisition sometime this week. Yes, that's the plan. Yeah. And didn't you take off work when they were originally going to uh, have the game? <laughs> yes, I had originally taken off work. And then they had to go and change the release date on me. <laughs> they did it just to spite you. Aww. I feel like that might be true. They are wanting us to stream, and so we are going to stream. Yeah, what EA wants, EA gets, I guess. <laughs> So that's going to be awesome. We also have other sponsors. We have tweakedaudio.com, quality headphones, 30% off with our code off the record at tweakedaudio.com and Audible. You want to hear Dragon Age The Calling? You want to hear Dragon Age The Stolen Throne for free? Get a free audiobook trial at audibletrial.com slash network. The Dragon Age 2 Show. We have been wanting to do this for over a year. It was actually the reason we thought of doing this show in the first place, or at least that I thought this show was possible because I found Road was a big fan as well. And our big argument had to do with Dragon Age 2. So I was getting a lot of flack for liking this game. Uh, I know a lot of people do get flack for liking the game if they do. Now, it wasn't well received. Why? Okay, so there were some problems that people didn't like, like... Changing the combat system from what everyone that had played previous Bioware games was accustomed to, especially Dragon Age Origins, which is by far just the, like one of the best games of all time. Uh, I'm just going to throw that out there. Okay. So there was that. And then there's the recycling of areas, which we've been over this over and over and over again. But so were the areas, see? <laughs> kind of life imitating art. Exactly. That's the point. At this point, I'm just going to put this out there. 
I'm not going to apologize for liking the game. Yay! It's been, the game has been out for so long now that people are just looking at it without ever having actually played it. They're going off of the opinions of people that, I mean, honestly, you're looking at the, the two parts of the game that weren't even the most important pivotal parts and judging the entirety of it based on that. Like, oh, well, I didn't get to the story, so I can't judge it. Then don't comment on it. You don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for liking that game. Bravo! And if you want me to, I'll stab you in the face. Twice. Just like Anders. Hey. That was in the back. You're right. It was the neck. <laughs> this isn't going to go well, is it? <laughs> nope. Now, Tashi Station 38 in the chat room is saying his or her number one problem is the wave combat. I just experience that or else I wouldn't know what the hell you're talking about as I was playing this week. I thought it was over and then all of a sudden, boom, there were more. But I had it on the easy and I was way overpowered because I had downloaded some um, clothes. I just wanted nicer looking clothes, at least for Anders, because I do hate those mage robes with the freaking feathers on them. What the hell were they thinking? I actually kind of like them, except for the ones that are, you know, they've got, like, chains on top and to show off your chest. And Ooh. you know what? <laughs> I don't have Varric hair, so I don't want to show off my chest. I'm not some greased-up, oily-looking model that's like, hey, look at me. I'm awesome-looking. No, it's Hawk. He's supposed to be a badass. And good-looking. Look the part. And also, I don't want to wear circle mages. You don't want to wear circle mages? The, oh, the, the robes. The robes. <laughs> Thanks, Liz. <sighs> Enchantment. Enchantment. Enchantment? Juven86 is saying he beat, he or she beat DA2 about an hour ago. Long weekend for the win. Yay. It's very fresh in your mind. Great. Uh, let us know if we are out. Hey, I've not been exploiting chat room. <sighs> and Raw Ross is saying he really liked the story from EA2, a DA2. I did too. This is why I liked it. It's the freaking X-Men. It's the X-Men! I don't have a Wolverine character to go off of, with, so I, I can't judge this. What do you mean? There's no Wolverine in this game. Wait, would that make Meryl Jubilee? That would make her awesome. You like Jubilee. I do like Jubilee, so she's Jean Grey. Okay, got it. Ah, oh, you don't like Jean Grey, okay? No, I do not. I know. Who does? Honestly, who, who does? And then she finds her stupid Alluvian and discovers the dark powers of stupidity and becomes Phoenix! <laughs> I like it. And then you knife her. I would love to. Wait, that would make Isabella Rogue. And that actually works because she's a rogue. You know, I was thinking about doing a parody for Vogue. Rogue. Yeah. Rogue goes really, really silent whenever I mention doing parodies because he's trying to be polite. I know I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> trying. He is trying and I'm not making it easy for him. Well, now that I've told him, he's finally caught on that I know that he's uncomfortable with it. Oh, that's great. What am I uncomfortable with? Wait, what? I don't know either. Anytime I mention a parody, you're like, Ugh. but you don't want to say anything. It's awesome. Oh, because I, I parody songs all the time. I just don't record them. Well, you should. I need to get you on one of these parodies. And there will be one the next episode, by the way, so stay tuned for that. So the repeating dungeons, the uh, wave combat, to me, are minor because, like I said, the story I really feel, I feel for both sides. I feel for the Templars and I feel for the mages and don't make that dirty or make it dirty if you want to. I'll just leave it out there for the listeners to decide. <laughs> oh, I do want to get an email out of the way just to start off because like I said, you might be fired or it's a co-host of the show may be fired by the end of this. 
I am kidding, by the way. Our first one says, Dear Liz and Rage, I love the podcast. I'm playing my first ever character in Dragon Age games, so I'm a total noob over here. I just wanted to mention how all the different characters react to having a dog. It's so cute and funny. The epic stare slash growl done between Stan and my dog is so great. Sadly, I don't use the dog or Stan as my companions since Alistair and females intrigue me a lot more. So why do you not use the dog as your companion? Despite him being the cutest dog in all of Dragon Age history, while also being weirdly intelligent. Thanks, Jack A. P.S. Stop Raging Road. I don't use him for the same reason, Jack A. And every time I say your name now, I'm going to be like, Jack A. Let's just call him Jackie. I like Jack A. Like a 90s sitcom. Jack A. Mm, okay, then. Works. Is that the same for you? I figured it is. I love the Hound. The Hound is the best thing ever. Do you always bring him with you? No. That's silly. Why would I do that? In Dragon Age 2, I do because he's a summoning ability. Yeah, but that's in, really nice. In DA Origins, no. The only thing, the only reason I would bring the Hound is if uh, I wanted him to use overpower on someone. And that's it. But, I mean, that, that's negligible at best. Other abilities are more useful. Plus, you can actually properly gear your other characters, whereas you really can't for the dog. So, no. But as far as the summon, yeah, every chance I can, I summon the, do- the dog. And it makes me very upset when he dies. Oh, that's so cute, though. And he goes, oh, oh. The chat room is weighing in, and they've got the same thoughts that Dragon Age 2, the story is good, but those repeating dungeons. I, I mean, that's the fault. But if you can get past that and just enjoy the game for what it is, then it's an amazing story. It is very slow to run through. That's the problem I was having. Of course, I was under the gun. I don't mind that. I f- it's build-up. Oh, that's a good word. I was trying to explain to that to the guy that did the last episode, 7.5. I was trying to explain, you have to wait. You have to wait for it to pay off. And it really, really did. So a slow build-up is a good way to put it. You've got to actually have development in a story. You have to have build-up. It can't just be action, 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 action. You can't do that. There's no character development in that. And that's a big part of these games is character development. I think it's the biggest part of the games. Absolutely. It's really a choose-your-own-adventure. Kind of like Last Court, which I finished, by the way. And uh, It's finishable. I got a good ending. Oh, yes. It takes seven days to do it, but it's definitely finishable. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, once you reach day seven, it's over. Oh, well. So, yeah. Oh. I'm sorry I didn't start this earlier, but like I said, I've been editing all week. <laughs> Now I'm officially going to shift gears and we're going directly into Dragon Age 2. We're going to summarize this for you because we know a lot of you guys have not played it. Or at least you played the first two hours, I'll bet. And I'm going to let Rode take that away because, like everyone knows, he does this way better than I do. So let's go ahead and dive into the actual story of the game. And where would the story start? The prologue. Because really, when you do a story, you should start from the beginning. You shouldn't start from one point. And then rewind a year and go, oh, this is what happened leading up to that point. That's dumb. Terry Brooks, learn. I like stories from the beginning. Unless, of course, it's like one of those Ocean's Eleven type of movies where you figure out how everything came to be at the very end of the movie, what led up to that point. I don't mind that so much, but that's a different type of narrative, and that's not the narrative we're going for. So we'll go with what's called the prologue. It's the story before the story. Prologue, in heavy quotations. But this is just what you were talking about, though. You were just talking about Varric and Cassandra talking. They're talking right. about what has already happened, so you did not like that. Right. No, oh. no, I do, I do like that. That's the way the narrative was designed. It was him telling the story of how everything happened in order. Oh, so okay. we have okay. the conclusion already in effect, and then he tells it from the beginning 
so you can figure out how things came up to that conclusion. Which, uh, I mean, there we go. We need to speak about these two characters right off the bat, because they're two pivotal characters in the new game, Dragon Age Inquisition. Varric and Cassandra. Cassandra is the Seeker. Varric is the sexy little dwarf with the very adequately named crossbow, Bianca. What more do you really need to know? And the sternum bush. Sternum bush. Okay, there you go. You, you did need to know that. Cassandra, meanwhile, is in really, really badass armor. And she looks awesome. And you, you want, well, I want to like her, but she's got that accent. <laughs> well, no. See, my initial reaction to her was hate. Because she's interrogating this awesome little rogue of a dwarf. So you, you immediately look at her as the point of authority, which clearly she is, being part of the Chantry, being the Seeker, so on and so forth. She's trying to track down this champion of Kirkwall, who you have no idea who they are initially. That's Hawk. So as Farrakh begins to tell the story, and of course he embellishes the story a little bit, you start the game as a complete badass. That no one can touch you, Darkspawner falling left and right, and you think... Well, if this guy is sitting outside of Lothering while the Darkspawn are invading, why the hell didn't he save all of Ferelden? <laughs> Clearly he was a bigger badass than the Wardens that were running away going, Oh, Duncan's dead! What do we do? Run away! Run you away! Know? Exactly. Exactly. So, here we have this situation where a bunch of Darkspawn are overwhelming Hawk and his family, and Hawk goes out there and just annihilates everything. And then Cassandra calls him on his crap. <laughs> so we get the real story. By the way, we have to bring up Bethany's boobs are way bigger when he's telling the I story. I still need to go back and confirm that. Oh, it's so confirmed. I believe you, <laughs> but I, I need to see it for myself. And not because I pitched the idea of something called Bethany's Bouncing Boobs as a DLC, which you then relayed, because that never happened. Thanks for making that up. <laughs> I'm not saying I wouldn't appreciate something like that. That wasn't me. That was <laughs> oh, you. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, last episode seven, I interviewed Mike Laidlaw and told them that Rode asked for that DLC <laughs> when he did not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here we are outside Lothering, where Hawk and his family of refugees are running like hell away from Lothering because Darkspawn. That's pretty much the summation of everything that had to do with Dragon Age Origins. Darkspawn. Because Darkspawn. Okay, we get it. Darkspawn are a thing, and that's where we begin, because that's an established bad guy. And we should make note also that the Darkspawn in Dragon Age 2 are much more fearsome looking than in Dragon Age Origins. Oh, yeah. They look horrific. And oh. it was probably, right off the bat, one of my favorite changes. Then, later on down the road, we find the Canari, who have also significantly changed, which was also completely badass. I think that was the best change, visually. Absolutely. I agree. Well... Of, of a character, I would say, okay. Right. No, I, I agree with that. Well, actually, we're getting ready to see another one here shortly, which was also... <gasps> oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! Yes, the changes just keep on coming. I don't care what you say, Dragon Age 2 was definitely an improvement to the series as a whole. So, well worth playing. Alright, back to Lothering, or outside of it, rather. Running away, running, 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 surrounded by Darkspawn. Uh, let's just cut to the chase. They're overrun by Darkspawn. And uh, one of your two idiot siblings, the twins, one of them will rush to their death and be crushed like the little grape they are. Kind of like how King Kalen was. It's very reminiscent of Kalen. Oh, it's by an ogre as well. 
So yeah. Well, when you've got a 15 foot tall, massive, pure muscle that's just a murder machine, charging right at it, unless you're the hero of the game, is probably not a good idea. In that interview with Mike Laidlaw, he did say that canon wise, it's Bethany that dies because Hawk is usually mage. If you are a mage, Carver lives because whatever class you choose, the twin sibling, uh, not your twin, rather, Carver and Bethany are twins. The twin of those siblings that complements you will live. The ones the same as you will die. So if you choose mage, the mage, Bethany, will die. If you choose a physical-oriented class, such as rogue or warrior, then Carver will die. Which is why Carver dies. Every time. <laughs> oh, oh, you should play as a mage. It's fun. I, I have played once. That's where I decided I would never play as a mage again. You didn't like the battle mage or whatever it's called, force mage? I love playing the mage. That wasn't the problem. It's that in order to play a mage, I have to sacrifice Bethany, which I am not going to do. <laughs> so here we have the situation where they're being overrun. And, of course, they band together and valiantly fight while Hawk's mother is crying over the corpse of her fallen child. As she should. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. As she should. And, I mean, that's what happens. So then you fight off all the Darkspawn, and as you think you're going to die, because more and more and more and more come, because this is the Blight and there's Darkspawn literally everywhere, a dragon sweeps in and burns everything except you to a crisp. So it works out. It's great. And it's you great. had dragon shish kebab. Or Darkspawn dish kebab. Barbecue. There we go. Barbecue. All crispy and stuff. So... <laughs> Beyond the point of being well done. Crispy recipe. It's just completely gone. There's nothing left. The meat is just not salvageable, which is fine because this dragon doesn't eat Darkspawn because the dragon is Flemeth. Right. Oh, by the way, on on the way to this area where you fight the Darkspawn the first time, you meet Aveline and her husband, Wesley, who gets infected by the taint. And by the end of this fight, by the time that Flemeth finishes everything, she's looking at him. She's like, dude, put him out of his misery. And I usually make Aveline do that. Are you serious? Yeah. And you say, I'm heartless. How is that a heartless? Is his own wife. He's begging for, he wants to die. But you shouldn't, that's like, that's like your, 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 your wife is dying in the hospital from cancer. And you're like, ah, oh, don't worry, doctor. I got this and pull the plug yourself. That's messed up. Doctor? Right. There's no doctor there. The doctor should be the one to deal with this. Dr. Hawk with a knife. Create the incision. You absolutely have the choice of doing it yourself, which I do every time. No, I let her do it. Evelyn shouldn't have to live with that. Be she'll resent you for the... <laughs> We're already fighting. Exactly. She'll resent you for the rest of your life for being the one that makes her like, you know, no, you know what? You need to do it. It's no, no, I don't it's think so. I so think it's her responsibility. She was strong enough to do it. And she, in the long run, I feel would appreciate that more uh, looking back on it. But anyway, okay. Thanks, Hawk. I'm glad you made me kill my husband. She she was responsible for his, <laughs> his life. She was his wife, for better or for worse. Come on. I think you're a better friend to start the relationship by going, don't worry, I'll do this for you because you shouldn't have to do this. No. That's just me. Yeah, but you're not, you're not thinking long term. You're not thinking regrets. Oh, I totally am. I totally am. <sighs> I make her do it. Start with me. Speaking of which, we're going to get in, into another one soon, but you get to Kirkwall because Flemeth has offered you passage via a locket. What was going on with that? Oh, right. So, yes. She doesn't take you to Kirkwall. She takes you to the nearest port, which will allow you to take a ship to Kirkwall. Warren. And in order of saving your life, 
it's with the deal that you take an amulet to the Dalish people in the free marches. That is the boon that she requires of you in order for her to save your life. Because Flemeth never does anything for free. There's always a purpose behind everything she does. You know why? Because she's old and she, and thank you, Captain Nibbles, who we are calling Sir Pounce a lot this episode. Thank you for uh, jingling your bell. Um, he's letting us know that he's here. Um, <laughs> where was I going with that? Something about Flemeth. Something about Flemeth. Something, something. Something, something docks. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I don't remember. Sorry. Okay. Well, fair enough. So let's go ahead and go to Act 1. Where we are in Kirkwall, finally, after a long, arduous voyage aboard the ship of uh, what looks like is probably initially meant for slaves, where a bunch of refugees are fleeing Ferelden because of the Blight, and many of them find their way to Kirkwall. Now, Kirkwall is the really one of the biggest cities in the Free Marches, and a lot of people are finding themselves there. The city is completely overwhelmed. There's not enough space for all these refugees, so the guards are refusing to let you into the city. Which mm, kind of makes sense. So what you have to do is, in order to barter your way into the city and get your mother put in there because she's an old woman and needs to be taken care of, you contact the uncle that you've really not spoken to and probably uh, since... The mother initially left the city because this is where your family, the Amels, are originally from. And he says that he can only get passage for the mother. Okay, that's fine. So you let the mother do her thing. And he finds a way for you to get into the city by working off probably what is some of his debts, which requires you to be in a year's worth of servitude. So you can choose to go with a bunch of rogues or you can choose to go with a bunch of mercenaries. I think I usually go with the smugglers. I usually do as well, but I could have sworn maybe it was some kind of mod that I did where I actually sided with both. But yeah, so you're in servitude for a year, then you meet Bartrand. <laughs> Bartrand. Yeah. yeah, he's part of the Dwarven Merchants Guild, and he's he's going to the Deep Roads because the Blight had just ended, because this is a year later, the Hero for Reldon's already won. He's going to the Deep Roads because there won't be that many Darkspawn in there, because they're all out on the surface and laying dead, which is great. Or fleeing back to the Deep Roads. Right, but for right now, they're not there. I mean, there aren't that many. Uh, they shouldn't be. As some pickpocket tries to steal your purse, as they say in the game, he gets hit by an arrow. Who is behind that? That is Varric and... And he says, hey, you know what? We do need a partner. Give us 50 sovereigns and then uh, to help fund it, and then you can come along. And you're like, well, okay. <laughs> right. Once you've uh, found out that you need to accrue all this gold, that means you need to go on a bit of a quest. You need to pretty much just run around all over the city, find things to do, explore the outsides of the city by a little bit, complete tons of quests, accrue lots of gold, and uh, let's not forget that you would at some point find out that uh, your uncle spent all of the family's riches. Yes, and he also lied about their parents' will where Leandra got everything, your mother. Ooh, that's not good. Also, Varric asks that we need maps for the Deep Roads. Hmm. And he knows of a Grey Warden in the area. Yes. Ah, shh. Don't be mean. Oh, don't stop there, please. Let's uh, let's go ahead and <laughs> talk a bit more about who's down there. Well, I'll tell you who's down there. That would, <laughs> that would be a Grey Warden by the name of Anders. 
who has yep. escaped to Kirkwall. He has escaped the Grey Wardens. He didn't like it. They made him give away his cat. Did the Warden send you to bring me back? I'm not going. Those bastards made me get rid of my cat. Horse pounce a lot. The Blighted Warden said he made me too soft. Which is just the last straw. You can't do it. He's living as a healer in Darktown. For free. He does this all for free, which makes him, you know, he's a good guy. Yeah, I guess. Oh my god! He is a He's a good guy. He's a very good guy. But he has been, he's not possessed. He is host to the Spirit of Justice, which we talked about in Episode 7 that appeared in uh, Awakening. Yes. Justice, uh, the body of... Oh, wow, I've forgotten his name. Kristoff, there we go. The body of Kristoff couldn't hold out because, I mean, he's a corpse. He can only survive for so long in this already decaying body. And as a result... He had to find somewhere to go. So Anders got the genius idea of being like, we're best friends. I'll help you out. We'll perform a ritual and everything will be fine. Well, guess what? You're dealing with a spirit here, buddy. And uh, this, you're not win, first off. You're not win. And as a result, you lost. And Anders, congratulations. You've now merged with the spirit. Although, because of all that hatred and contempt all the way down inside the core being of poor little Anders. Oh, help, I'm being repressed. Come and see the violence inherent in the system. Help, help, I'm being repressed. Do you see him repressing me? You saw it, didn't you? I think that's just of any human. I think a human body can't, just can't take it. Mm, You're, you know maybe. I'm right. You know I'm right. Mm, there are examples out there, but we'll leave that for another show. Oh, really? Hmm. Mm-hmm. So... The chat room is saying that Anderson Awakening was way different than in DA2. I would agree. Uh, well, he is. I mean, he's very fun-loving in, in Awakening. And in this one, he's much more serious. I mean, you you would be. He's had... much more melancholy. Do you blame him? But I mean, no, 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 not at all. <laughs> I mean, obviously, things are not going well for the mages. That's one point of contentment for him. And he had to run away from the wardens because he's a wuss. Hey. He saved the day. I don't want to be part of this anymore. Oh, you gave my cat away. Run, 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 cry. Oh, my God. If somebody gave my cat... Oh. Oh. No. <laughs> anyway, so he has these maps to the Deep Roads. You need to go find him, ask him about it. And he says, okay, you know what? I'll help you, but I got a problem. My friend, quote unquote friend... Carl, I haven't heard from him in a while. We gotta find him. He says, you gotta rescue my friend Carl. He's been kept prisoner in Kirkwall, which, uh, Hawk says, okay, we're gonna go do it. But it turns out when you get there, Carl has been made tranquil. And this is the, well, the second heartbreak. I, well, Bethany and or Carver dying was my first heartbreak because I feel so bad for the Honestly. mother. Um, this is what I really just felt like, oh my God, this is an awful thing. When he sees his lover, basically it's his lover, uh, that has been cut off from all emotion, but he's still alive. Oh my God. I can't talk about Not that. Not to mention, uh, you know, he kind of laid a trap for Anders and, well, you. Well, but he was also made tranquil. Right. Oh no, I, I completely agree with that. I, I'm very well aware, just to state this openly so that I don't get an angry email later on, <laughs> I am very aware of the plight of the mages and especially of the Tranquil. I know how that works, but we'll get to that email later. <laughs> you know who you are. I know who you are. 
Anyway, back to the tranquil. Yeah. Uh, uh, Anders, basically when Carl is near Anders in this tranquil state, he says, feels the fate inside him. <laughs> well, this is after the power of uh, of vengeance. No, no longer justice. The power of vengeance is unleashed on the area because of all the Templar and the rage building up inside Anders. And because of that connection to the fade, that powerful spirit releasing all that energy, it temporarily brings Carl back. Which doesn't really make sense. I don't know if that's entirely true. Well, Anders describes the Tranquil as being, you know, uh, can you repair a, someone's head being cut off? Well, he, they are cut off from the fade, so I don't, if, if it's cut off... Uh. See, it, it's it's not a physical thing so much as it is a spiritual thing, really. The, the, the connection to the fade has been severed. And because of that, just the connection to the self is gone. Because everyone in some way is connected to the fade. Dreams are a connection to the fade. Everyone dreams. Except for the dwarves. So, well, they're also not connected to the fade. They have no magic power whatsoever. So in some way, everyone's really tied to this. And this, this kind of brings up an interesting point, too, is uh, looking at it forward Inquisition, because the breach where the fade is literally leaking all over the world and slowly drawing it in. I want to see what becomes of the existing Tranquil, because that connection to the fade is there in the real world, where it is directly affecting everything that's going on. Maybe closer to these the smaller fade rifts, or even the breach itself, maybe that connection is no longer severed while they're in the vicinity of a direct link to the fade. That's something that, that will be interesting. I think yeah. that's a great point. And what happens if, you know, a Tranquil actually enters the fade or is drawn into it? Can you imagine how angry you would be when you came out of there? Well, like Carl was. But first, okay, there are two things I want to bring up. First of all, that animation, I cannot stop laughing every time I see this scene where Anders has justice sparking through. And he just does this weird look around. Like, he's like, what are you doing? It's just... I don't know who posed for it, but it's freaking hysterical. Next time you guys play it, watch for that. Yeah, I love it. And someone in the chat room, oh, it's going too fast, is saying they didn't understand what the Chantry was. Chantry is a church. Andraste is basically Jesus, only female. Is that it? Eh, kind of. I would say more like Moses, but but revered and to the extent that Jesus is, yes, to make a, a real-world connection to that, yeah. There is a different... The Templars are are a part of the Chantry. They are the ones that make sure the mages are in line, either very oppressively or just guarding them. Here, it's very oppressively in Kirkwall. So, I hope that cleared something up for you. Yes, oh, but we're going to go back to Carl. Carl, he comes to, basically, when he's around Anders, and he says, oh my god, please kill me. It's heartbreaking. I want to cry, and I don't want to go on with it, but you have to. Anders eventually, you know, does the deed like, um, does the deed. Thank you for my printer going off. Um, does what <laughs> Aveline does, and puts him out of his misery, because he asked for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And he also said that at that point, the, the connection, he could feel it slipping away. He could feel himself slipping away. Oh, that hurt. Uh, just him saying that. Okay, so, yes, you get the maps from him. You also go to a Dalish tribe. Right. The very tribe that you were supposed to make contact with to deliver the amulet, you do so. They just happen to be right outside the city, and they happen to be the ones right, it's, that it's you could be right part there. of in Dragon right. Age Origins. <laughs> mm. 
They mm-hmm. are because it's the same From- keeper and it's Meryl. I've heard talk that it's not. Well, I've heard talk that so you're I, also I a forgot dirt. to actually go and uh, <laughs> confirm that, so I can't say either either way. We'll go confirm that. <laughs> Meanwhile, I will say that you make it there, and the basically the keeper saying, "You know what? Uh, we're getting rid of this one chick. She's uh, she can guide you through this this crap. Go meet her. You meet her, and she's the girl from Torchwood." She's the girl with the gap in her teeth from the Torchwood. <laughs> no, she is Meryl. The elves look very different in this game, by the way. So she looks very different than the way Meryl did in Dragon Age Origins. The girl from Dragon Age Origins actually looked a little bit like Bethany. In here, she does not. Very pixie-like. She is a blood mage and has no qualms about it. She thinks nothing is wrong with it. <laughs> and of course, you know... Because yeah. she's an idiot. <laughs> well, she's Because she's an idiot. She's very sweet and trusting on the outside, but that is very idiotic. And a idiotic. blood mage. Kill the blood mage. And I like how she says, you know, or Anders in Party Banjo will ask her, you know, like, how did how did this start? Did you accidentally cut yourself? What went on? Of course, I want to ask about that with um a women's time of the month. What happens with that? But anyway, um, yeah. he asks her. Think about it, though. I don't want to, though. No. Hey, you know what? You're going to have to dig real deep on this one, man. <laughs> Uh, no, I really, I feel like I don't need to. No, <laughs> I feel like it's uh, it's pretty okay where it's at right now, and we can just leave that dead. Cycle of life, man. Uh, cycle of life will be her dying. Yes. He asks her, uh, "What happened? You know, did you cut yourself?" She says, "No, I asked him. I asked the demon to come." He's like, uh, "Why would you do that?" She goes, "He was very nice," and he was like, "Of course, he's gonna be nice to you." <laughs> Because you're a gullible idiot. And you'll pay for it later. <laughs> Such a dick. We're not fans of Meryl, by the way. We're not fans of Liliana no, either, by I the way. Passion. Some people that just started listening to the show, they're like, what's your beef with Liliana? We're like, well, she's nothing compared to Meryl. <laughs> uh, Liliana's at least tolerable. Especially in the new game, looks like she's going to be actually someone I can deal with. In the new game, she actually looks like Dr. Crusher from Star Trek The Next Generation. (laughs) She's about the right age. Look at her. I mean, from early seasons. I have, many times. Oh, that sounded a little... How many times? And were your pants off? No. Uh, Many and no. (laughs) Okay, so... There's Meryl. You you go up the mountain and you find Flemeth. You release Flemeth. Well, I guess from this locket. You find an altar. You put the the amulet there, and she erupts out of it. Yeah. Well, that's uh, like hi. I was with you the entire time, kind of. It was a Horcrux, but I like how Meryl. You wanted to make her. Harry Potter references there. I made. A I Harry love Potter. it. There's another Harry Potter reference with this little alluvian. Meryl treats her like she is a god because in her culture, Flemeth basically is. Uh, we said the name of Flemeth earlier, the elven name, and I've totally forgotten it. So, <laughs> what else happens? Asha Bellinar? Asha Bellinar. Is that it? Yes. And when you leave this area, the keeper says, take Meryl with you because they can't even stand her. I mean, that's how much they want to well, get rid of this because she's a blood mage. And <laughs> the elves know that blood mages are bad. Yeah, and they yeah. try to tell her, don't be a blood mage. She's like, oh, it'll be fine. Nothing will go wrong. It'll be okay. She's like, what? I don't know why I want that accent, but, oh, you know, it works. I don't know either. It was horrible. It was great. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. Uh, but... Yes, she says, take this with you. We don't want her anymore. We're like, oh, oh, I guess so, you know. And she goes to live in the elven alienage, which sucks. 
Speaking of the and elven alien, like, oh my god, what are these people doing? This is terrible. I need to help them. Okay, go help them. Just stay out of the way. When I need you, I'll call on you, and please don't do anything stupid. <laughs> Have I mentioned I don't like Meryl? Yeah, we don't like her. Okay. If it were more uh, search-friendly, I would put We Hate Meryl as the title, but it's not search-friendly. But anyway... Speaking of the alienage, when you were in the alienage, I, I can't remember exactly what leads up to this, but eventually in the alienage, you meet up with Fenris. <laughs> Sexy mofo. That's right. Yes. You, do, you get sent on a quest to uh, do some things, and it, it turns out that you're actually trying, like you're actually being manipulated by a Tevinter mage to find Fenris, his uh, not-so-loyal uh, slave. <laughs> and Fenris and you proceed to kill everyone. That's pretty much the end of that story. Fenris will fist everyone, and I mean that very literally. He will put your fist through your chest and tear out your heart or just crush your heart. Very awesome. It's very Indiana Jones, yes. It is very Indiana <laughs> Um He will do that. He has tattoos. Though that he has these lyrium tattoos, literally tattoos filled with lyrium on him. That is why his his owner. Uh, Daenerys is wanting to get him back because he's like, dude, that's expensive. I want my stuff back. And Pretty much, uh, yeah. yeah. And Fenris is like, no. You also meet in this act Isabella. Yes, which that's another important thing is uh, some of these people can kind of be you're really forced into finding them. But Isabella is actually one you can miss. And if you don't get her in act one, you don't get her at all. My first playthrough, I missed Isabella. No, you didn't. Yes. My very first one, I didn't even know she was in the game. Because I walked into this game without knowing anything about it. I went in, no spoilers, nothing. I went straight into the game and played it for what it was. And I got to the end of the game and found out about Isabella after the fact. Really? And then, because you thought you only, oh my god, did that mean you only had one romance option? And went through, yeah, well, yeah, I went through it like, like that. I thought there was more. But I just went, oh, I must have missed it, I guess. Who would you rather romance, Anders or Meryl? Um, is murder an option? Either or. There's no either or in this situation. Because they're both deserving of a knife to the neck. You know what? I do. Uh, Waylorn in the chat room is asking, was Fenris the Final Fantasy-like character? Yes, and I think the same thing. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> He's the dark brooding character that goes... Oh, life sucks. I was a slave. It was terrible. Well, and uh, <laughs> then you kind of find out that he did it to himself. But that's just uh, that's another story on its own. Well, well, we're getting to it anyway because we're going to power through this. But, yeah, you meet Isabella. She has stolen something. And she's also not wearing anything. She, yeah, it's very little. Uh, when she When she runs, if you have the camera at the right angle, you can see those things bounce. <laughs> She could be a DLC of Bethany's bouncing boobs at that point. <laughs> Honestly, I just wish they would have put pants on her. She it, has it just badass seems boots, like though. Was, she's wearing a tabard, boots, and a giant necklace. <laughs> I don't understand her clothing options at all. And it's not like, oh, we're out on the open sea and we need things to make sense. No, that doesn't matter. The only thing that shouts of is easy access. And to be fair, she sleeps with everyone she meets. Exactly. And? 
And she's also included in the foursome in Dragon Age Origins. <laughs> That's do the we, thing. We talked about it in the previous episode. Do it's a thing. we meet anybody else in this episode? I'm going through my list. Sebastian. Sebastian, which I actually... Sebastian, the DLC character. I put money on a card so that I could get this, and I... <laughs> I was unfortunately it was 3 a.m. I think when I first played through and I first met him um, and I forgot. So I had to <laughs> I thought that I had missed him and all this kind of stuff. I spent about two hours trying to figure out if I had this character. <laughs> I was going to be so pissed if I had spent money on him and then <laughs> not. But yes, Sebastian, he is called it's the DLC, the Exiled Prince. He his whole family has been murdered. He is from yes. Starkhaven, yeah, which he, is basically had, uh... Uh, Scotland. It really is. So, Sebastian is kind of like the... Well, actually, that's exactly what he is. He's the Nathaniel Howe of this game. Yeah. You know, he's someone of noble birth, and like Nathaniel, he went out to find his own way, and kind of after the fact, everyone died (laughs) while he was gone. Now, unlike Nathaniel, uh, it wasn't because his family were a bunch of murderous bastards. No. In fact... His family were the rulers of Starkhaven, and they were betrayed from within. So really, it was kind of like he was the Kuzland of this game. Right. Now, he was in the Chantry, and he decided after his family was murdered that he needs to go on a path of revenge. And you help him with that. And it's very satisfying. I enjoyed it. Especially because, yes, if there is a sexy guy in this game, it's Sebastian. It's not Anders, it's Sebastian. I Anders have a hot Anders. Well, he does have personality problems, but Sebastian won't do anything about it if you try to romance him. You know why? He has vowed to the Chantry. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's not true. I feel like it is, because you can, I, I know because I've looked this up as a female, wanting to romance everybody in this game, or at least all the men. Well, I've romanced everybody. Um, uh... The one time I was able to do so with Sebastian couldn't do anything, or at least I had to change his mind about being in the Chantry at all, and he still wouldn't sleep with you. Hate it. Maybe was, he was saving himself for marriage. I probably, because it did say, I remember, uh, I said I wanted to be the queen of Starkhaven, and uh, it says it in the epilogue, but not in the game. See, I'm looking at the, the Dragon Age keep right now. And uh, there's a romance tile for Sebastian. Uh, look it up, because I looked it up last night. I'm looking at it right now on the official Dragon but Age on keep your keep thing, com. yeah, but... <sighs> it can be done. If it's on there, it's it's a thing. Yes, but you don't get the achievement for Dragon Age 2, I'll tell you that. You I, you definitely don't. You, It's either, well, at least if you want to play a straight female, it'll be either Anders or Fenris. Um, so... <sighs> What else from he Act will 1? never actually sleep with Hawk. Yeah, I know. But you can still romance him. Yes, you can. I do like flirting with him. But if you do not kill Anders, he will leave your ass. <laughs> yeah, tough choices, honestly. That's you know what? You are choice. so... Do I keep Anders, who's a mass-murdering terrorist, or do I keep <sighs> someone who's of royal blood and just generally a good guy with a sexy accent? But still won't get it. <sighs> See? Yeah. Yeah. You need to marry him, and uh, then you can take him away from the Chantry, because they can't be married. And then you know, you not only become uh, the ruler of Starkhaven alongside him, 
But then you also have your own army that you can use to march against Kirkwall and destroy it and burn it to the ground because he says that 16 damn times after he, be- you know, ousts the people. Oh, well, God forbid Anders kill a couple people and he's like, I'm going to kill everybody. 400. 400. That's 400 my butt. By the way, Candledark, welcome back to the chat room. I haven't seen you in forever. And yes, it is fantastic if you're male and flirting with Sebastian. He gets flustered. Kindness is saying stop dissing Anders. I agree. It's not all about the banging Tashi. Yes, it is. This is where I play the game. Um, <laughs> and there's that. She's got mods to prove it. I do have mods to See, prove it. See, DVD knows. DVD would go with the royal blood. So would I. If I played female characters. I do like uh, being queen of Starkhaven. Okay, so. The deep roads. You go down to the deep roads. I'm trying to get this as quickly as possible. What happens in the deep roads? You... You need to find a way bad out. Bad things happen. Bad things happen. Very bad things happen. First of all, Sandville goes missing. You have to go find him. And the pleading from his father is just awful. But you do I take find it back. him. You know what? I, I do actually want to state something right here because it's pertinent to the conversation. While Anders definitely is a murdering psychopath, <laughs> the true sinister mastermind of merriment and murderment in this game is none other than Sandals. <laughs> Everywhere he appears by himself, there's nothing but slaughter all around him. <laughs> and a giant, enchanted, floating, frozen statue of an ogre that's doing a dropkick maneuver. and looks like he's dancing like some kind of ice ballerina made of darkspawn and badness. <laughs> he was practicing to be a sugar plum fairy, and he went overboard with it. Yes. It and he sh- became a sugar plum. Yes. <laughs> now, there is lyrium, there is raw lyrium right next to where Sandal is, is, has turned around and looks at you and goes, not enchantment. I don't know if that's significant or not. Uh, that's the first place, or at least I got to see the raw lyrium. I don't know if that's significant or not, but he holds out a rune. Apparently he's been doing this with runes and killing stuff. He's pretty much a badass and you send him home. <laughs> and then in the dark ro- or the deep roads, you find Red Lyrium. This is something that Barfield was looking for. Yes. An idol made of red lyrium. And you find it. Bartran has been following you. He says, oh, yeah, good. You found it. He locks you in the room where he takes it and then locks you in the room to die. Varric is pissed. <laughs> and he calls him a son and of a bitch. Fair, and then he says, sorry, mother. I love that. Son yeah, of a bitch. That, sorry, that was genuinely <laughs> hilarious. It was one of those situations where you're like, oh, wait, I can't say that now, can I? <laughs> or it could have been followed with, oh, me too. <laughs> yeah, so so have, there's that. You have to, quote unquote, find your way out of this room. And the thing is... Which is means just following the path. You just turn 180 degrees and walk out the other freaking door. <laughs> Which, to be fair, you have to trek, and it's something like, wasn't it three days before they find the exit or something like that? And during that time, or at least, you know, or sometime in the Deep Roads, your sibling, whether it be Carver or Bethany, has contracted the Darkspawn taint and finally can't take it anymore. They collapse, and you're like, what's going on? What's going on? If you have Anders in your party, he can say, you know what? Well, I took these maps from some some Grey Wardens that were in the area. I know they were coming down here looking for Darkspawn. They're probably around. Let's see if we can find him. And that could, quote-unquote, cure him, if him or her, if they go through the ceremony. Uh, the Grey Wardens right. do show up, and they say, what the hell? What are you talking about? This isn't a cure. It's a, it's a way of life. 
and you have to convince them, no, this is a really good warrior or mage. Really? <laughs> exactly. So here's the thing. Well, you have to have Anders with you. Otherwise, the sibling will die. That's just how it works. If you do not have Anders with you, you go into the deep roads and the sibling is with you, the sibling will die. You have to have Anders to get a hold of the Grey Wardens to save your sibling who has contracted the Darkspawn disease. Now, if you leave the sibling behind, then if they're a mage, they are caught and sent to the circle. If they are not a mage, they go and join the Templar because Carver's a... Carver's just a whiner. It's all he does is I don't whine. know. If he's been overshadowed, I can really see it if you played Hawk as a male. I don't see it as much as a female because he would be the man of the family, but I can see it as a male. He's got He's just got sibling jealousy. I mean, his older brother... Uh, if you play a male, obviously, is, you know, is always praised, is always doing stuff. People rely on him, and he's like, what am I? <laughs> well, it's not even just that. If if you play as a mage, that means everyone in the family, except he and his mother, are mages. The father was a mage, the sister was a mage, the older brother was a mage. So he resents having to go through his entire life sheltering mages and having to live a life of uh, basically protecting apostates. So, that has a lot to do with it, too, I'm sure. Really, what I'm trying to say is Carver's just kind of a jerk. And I don't regret letting him die. It works out better for me. That and Bethany's hot. <laughs> At least you admit it now. Now you know the real reason why. Yeah. Bethany's hot. Yeah. So... That happens. Either he, he or she is dead or a warden at this point. And right. we go into Act 2. Act 2 is the one that I... The only thing I cared about in Act 2 was uh, getting laid. I gotta tell you. <laughs> That's the only thing. Act 2 is where you can actually pick up uh, Sebastian as a follower. Because I didn't realize... I couldn't remember that you don't get him in Act 1, Act 2. This is when it all happens. Close um, yeah. Now, it's Kunari. It's, yes. all, it's basically so, all Kunari. This is, uh, isn't it a few years later or a year later again? Because each time a chapter goes I believe by, it's three. time passes. Yeah. So three years later, I, uh, this is what we're going to go with. Kunari have landed in Kirkwall. They've uh, been granted a small section of the docks region, and they're just sitting there. And occasionally they send out parties to go wander land and do things. No one knows why they're there. They don't feel like they need to tell anyone why they're there, and they're not going anywhere. And really, you've got a bunch of badass warriors down in your docks, so the Vice Count doesn't want to piss them off. So it's all a game of politics and intrigue, and you've got the Chantry, or at least members of the Chantry, that resent the fact that these heathens are there and they want them gone, so they're trying to start an uprising to get them slaughtered, to get them to leave. Anything to do to make sure that the people don't fall in line. The Vice Count's own son supposedly is captured by them, and really what's going on is he just really enjoys their company and enjoys their way of life and really thinks that people should live that way, including himself, so he tries to. Which, long story short, gets him killed. Not by the Canari, but by the Chantry, actually. Or okay. at least sect of the Chantry. He gets him killed, because that's what they want to use to spark a war. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can either side with the Chantry or not side with the Chantry. And I never do because they're the undermining bastards in the situation. They're the ones that are causing all these problems. 
Uh, well, aside from one member of your own party who's going to... Oh, no, 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 let's go into that. Oh, no, we don't have to go into it, but I'm just going to point out that you just said something bad. The Chantry's not been doing good things, has it? No, of course not. Not everyone. Granted, the revered mother, the one who leads the whole, this, that sect of the church there in Kirkwall, it's not her doing. She knows some of the things that are going on, but just like the Vice Count, she has to tread carefully. Because everyone looks to her, just like everyone looks to the Vice Count, just like everyone looks to Orsino, just like everyone looks to Meredith. Those are the major players in the city. And that's something we also skipped out on, is we, right at the beginning, we have this situation with Meredith and Orsino. Orsino is the first enchanter of the Circle of Magi, and Meredith is the Knight Commander. And they're squabbling. And every time you see them together, they're swaddling. I think they should just oh, get swaddling. together and go on a date. Um. <laughs> I think so as well, honestly. And honestly, Meredith wasn't a bad-looking knight commander. She either. really wasn't. I mean, that, she, she wore that armor well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she uh, her, well. She did. Of course, me being a girl, I was like, her eyes were really pretty. And I really wish I would age like that because she's supposedly <laughs> got some years on her. She still looks good. Um, she wasn't Wynn's age, but certainly she had some years on her. Yeah. Now... She is of the Templar side. Basically, this game is is the two sides. And y- you can really tell, it's about, well, especially in Act 3, but you see the divide in the first one. The second one is a lot about the Canari, but you see more um, reasons why the Templars, why Meredith had to be so harsh on the mages. Um, you see all these mages going to blood magic and becoming Maleficarum, and, which are basically, you know... T- Taking over it's a mages. vicious cycle that she, at that point, seems very aware of. That by putting more pressure on the mages and putting more restrictions on them, and just generally being a jerk to them, she's making it so that more are starting to squeeze through the cracks and turning to blood mages. But at the same time, she needs to keep a careful eye on them so they don't become blood mages. And every time a new blood mage comes up, the restrictions get tighter. And it's it's to the point where eventually you're just going to be squeezing the life out of the mages. Even the ones that are trying to live as they are being told to live. Now, to be fair, the the magi are no better than slaves, really. I mean... They're better off than Ferelden. Okay, this basically is what the entire game boils down to, is what we're talking about right now. I'm going to throw in some names that I just see in the notes because I don't care. Cullen is in there. You're going to see him. He's one of the Templars. Uh, We do... He is uh, one of the captains. I think he's knight captain. He's pretty awesome in this game. And he, even though we we left him off in in, uh, Origins... Where he was like, I hate mages. He's a little... Being a sniveling little whiner? Well, uh, you can, ima- he, uh, you oh, can I, imagine. Oh, I understand the reason. <laughs> it doesn't change that he was still a sniveling little whiner. Oh, my and granted, God. And he granted, he was, you know, a child. Well, yeah. At that time. So, <laughs> so the reason I'm, I'm going into this, because the rest of the game is basically this fight. This Templars versus mages fight. And this is what we've been wanting to get to anyway. And I feel like it is time. Now, you were saying, are you pro-mage or Meredith? Oh, I'm definitely pro-mage. I went pro-mage every time. Every time. There wasn't even a playthrough that I decided to side with the Templar. Well, then how would you know that the Templars were not right if you didn't see it from their point of view? Uh, Because they're wrong initially. Everything they do is wrong. Oh, and because their knight commander becomes a giant red sword swinging juggernaut that's powered by unholy evilness. 
But as just... does Orsino. Only to without be the fair, sword. Yes, he sacrifices himself to blood magic. Yes. Because he feels there's no other way. Even though we're winning the fight, he feels there's no other way. But that's Act 3. Let's finish Act 2 first. Well, I, well Act 2, I was actually going to skip or put Act 2 with Act 3 so we don't have a three-hour-long show. <laughs> okay, well, yes. That, okay, that works. Okay. But we... What do you let's just say that the reason why the Arashok, the head of this group of Kunari, would not leave the entire time is because their holy text had been stolen from them. Now, while they're there waiting out shrine, that's why he was sending those parties of Kunari out and about into the world around the free marches, is because they were trying to find the text. That's why they came there, is they were trying to find the text. It turns out that Isabella is the one who stole it. Surprise, oh. surprise, the rogue, the smuggler, the, the pirate. The one that would never conveniently tell you what she was hiding. <laughs> exactly. Or what she was hunting, and that's the entire reason why you join up with her, because she's trying to hunt something down. And, and she like, will oh, never sure, go I'll to see out. the Canari. She will never go. <laughs> so, there's that. But while he's there, the entire time, he sees all of these mages, these magic users, these unholy entities, just basically being, quote-unquote, free to walk about. And, you know, you end up doing a couple of tasks for them or related to the Kunari. So the only person in the entire city that the Aeroshock will ever respect is none other than Hawk. That's her, how it turns out. So eventually when it becomes known that the reason they've been there as a presence, as a major presence, was to get this text... You have to go face him down. Of course, at the point you need to go face him down, the Kunari have already taken over the city and beheaded the Viscount. Isn't it Viscount? So, uh, Viscount, Viscount, <laughs> uh, Vice's city, Vice game, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Aww. Viscount. Fine, we'll go your way of saying things this time. No, you're actually right, it's Viscount. <laughs> I'm sorry. That I'm was, just, that was funny listening to you flail for a second. <laughs> I was flailing my arms the entire time, too. Does that make you happy? Oh, it was like a, a little bump. bit. Like Kermit. Flailing. The flapping head. Why? Anyway. Very Jim Henson, yes. Okay, so you go there, and you can either decide to hand over Isabella and the book, because, of course, by giving the book, he also wants justice. So in order to get justice, you have to hand him over. Or and not her. justice the character, by the way. No, not at all, because that's vengeance, and justice is dead. Um, you either hand her over or you fight to the death. And, uh, I fight to the death. And when I did so as my, uh, who did I do this last? Rogue? Is that who I played last? Yeah, that was hilarious. Oh, I'm sure um, that was, oh. Yeah, it was fun. It was basically do a little damage, run away and heal. Do a little damage, <laughs> run away and heal. Run, 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 cry. Run, 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 cry. It was kind of like when we did our Dragon Age, or uh, the first Dragon Age Origins episode where we were at the top of the tower and that ogre was chasing my mage around. It was just like that all over again. I always try to do the, the honorable duel because I am a hawk and I will defeat the Earthshock. And I do every time, obviously, because otherwise the story wouldn't progress. So that happens. And then you become the champion of Kirkwall. Because you've managed to kill the Aeroshock. And now the city is without a leader. So who steps up to take over? Ha oh, wait, no, it wasn't Hawk at all, was it? No, it was Meredith. <laughs> yeah. Meredith feels like she's the only person of authority in the city. And so she takes over. 
because that'll end well. But, of course, by this point, Meredith is also wielding a badass-looking sword, which is made of red lyrium. In fact, made of the very idol. Oh, you have no idea. I would have ripped that off of her corpse and used it had it not exploded later on. <laughs> and, of course, I'm Hawk, so I could withstand it. Yeah. Uh, Varric, even though you think you can withstand that little chunk of uh, red lyrium, you can't. I, I always take it away from him. I don't let him. Now, now Bartrand has had this, and Bartrand goes mad, yes. by the way. And he goes a bit nutty, and yeah. the estate that he was living in goes a bit haunted. Yeah, and you... This is where I think that you kind of get the feeling that Meredith is – well, you don't get the feeling because she is. She's only acting that way because of the lyrium. You see that as proof as the way Bartrand was. Now, at the end of that Bartrand fight, uh, you can either give a little piece to Varric, is that right? Or you can take away from him. I don't let him have it. He finds after the, the explosion, chunks go everywhere and go flying through the sky to all parts of Thetis. Uh, one of the chunks lands nearby. He finds it and goes, oh, my God, it's red lyrium. This little bit won't hurt me. Mm-hmm. Whatever, dude. That's like a mage saying a little bit of blood magic won't hurt. Exactly. That's exactly the same thing I said. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. Sorry. No. You need to give it up and destroy it. And so we hand it over to Sandal, and he goes, enchantment, and turns it into a nuclear device. Yeah, that's a pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. Okay, so now, you were talking about Meredith. Yeah, with the yeah, sword. So Meredith takes over, and things for the mages really aren't working out well at all. Not, It's just getting crazier and crazier. There's rumors even throughout the nights when you overhear the ambient conversations, whether you talk to the knights themselves, everyone's starting to think that maybe Meredith's under a bit too much pressure starting to lose it. Now, throughout Chapter 3, we also run into a couple of very important figures from the previous game. Or Ooh. at least you can. You can completely skip over it. But you have the, opp the opportunity of running into Nathaniel, who yes, is a great warden and, and a notable badass. He is uh, very much a badass warden. He still hasn't taken a shower. But he does recognize Anders. He's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Yeah. That's pretty cool. Why are you here? Yeah. Hey, Should remember Justice? Help. He's here too. <laughs> yeah. No, that wasn't really mentioned, but yeah. Anyway. And then there's Zevran. Zevran also pops up because he's being hunted by the crows. Well, Zevran, that's what you get when you step away from the warden. The warden in every one of my playthroughs went, you should hang out with me. We'll have fun. And every time Zevran's like, awesome, I'll stick with you. You're my best friend. Well, apparently he decided to step away and got hunted by the crows again. Your fault, not mine. See, Zevron, the last time I saw him in Origins, he was shoving his tongue down my throat, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> now, I do like, remember that elven, the, the guard for the elven treasures? Started with a V. Remember we talked about that? It was also an awakening. That big monster that looks like it's one of the things from... Oh, uh, the Bartrell. Yes. Bartrell. Um, now, I like how it... It's the creature that guards elven treasures, and then it's actually guarding Zevron, because that's where you find him. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, yeah, he, he is, is a treasure. treasure. Mm -hmm. yes, absolutely. And if you have... Antonio Banderas wannabe. Oh, if you have Isabella in your party, you can send them off to do to catch up, or you can catch up with them yourself, if you like. Uh, you can stand by and uh, be regaled by all the stories. Mm. 
I like yes. that part. Anyway, anybody else from Origins that we meet? Oh, and, uh, Alistair, or is that an Act 3? Uh, there is a point where if you didn't make Alistair king, <laughs> he will actually turn up as a drunk. In the hanged man. I can't man. remember which chapter it's in. I yeah, don't I remember either. what chapter that was in. But that's very sad. And then I think it was Van Tegan shows up to be like, all yeah. right, man, we need to go. Yeah. <laughs> I your, love it. your country needs you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if he's not, he could still be a part of, of the government uh, with Tegan. Um, but I love it when he's the drunk. Mom Morgan's fault, as I said in, like, episode two or three. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> so we go into act three. Yes, so we go into Act 3. The situation between the mages and the Templars really not getting any better. It's, in fact, getting pretty terrible. And just skipping forward, what ends up happening is, uh, Anders asks you for some help about some some ritual that he uh, has discovered, and uh, he really can't tell you all the details, but he needs your help acquiring all the ingredients. And it's to venture magic, by the way. Oh, absolutely, temperature magic. And it, it's for the betterment of all mankind, purely. And uh, he, at some point later on, needs you to help sneak into the Chantry and distract everyone while he, you know, does the final thing he needs to do to help him do whatever. You don't know. You don't know. You just do it because you're his friend, and he's your friend, and everyone's holding hands and singing Shra-la-la right off into the daisy field. You know what? I just realized that I was totally going to be talking about all the romances in Act 2. But then... <laughs> That's what reminded me of it. I don't know why. Yep. So, so we get to this point where stuff goes crazy, fights break out, nothing good is happening, the city is damn near on fire, and Anders goes... <sighs> clap, boom! And the Chantry goes with it. Sorry, the Divine Mother herself, trapped inside, goes kaboom! Everyone dies. And then you've got the pivotal line that just, it's hopelessly sad but at the same time. Hilarious. Sebastian falls to his knees and screams, Mega, no! <laughs> <laughs> Which on the live stream, I may or may not presently have a GIF running. Oh, you have it? That happening over and over and over and over and over. I've got to wait 10 seconds to see it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yes. So that happens, and it goes down <laughs> from there in a rapid snowball effect. War breaks out. There's nothing that can be done. The right of annulment has been called by the knight commander herself, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Well, kind of. So then the fight goes all the way down to the, well, the location where the mages are kept. And uh, it's you can decide whether to help the knights or to help the mages. And I go with the mages every time. But the mages and, turn uh, on you. Everyone turns on you, I would think. A no. mage turns on you. A mage, my a butt! Mage. No, no, the guy, the people that are in the, the circle tower or what, I know it's not a tower, quote unquote, but in that, in the cells, basically, um, they, 
Yeah, they trick you out. I remember that because I remember the look on their faces because I, I remember being a mage and saying, oh, I'll help you out. It's time to get out now. They're going to do the right of annulment. You better get your butt out of here. And they go, <laughs> and then they turn on you. Blood mages do what blood mages do. And what they well, do is Well, they're turning to like blood mages because of what is happening. Yeah, they feel like there's nothing else they can do. They feel like it's just like Orsino. He feels like it's the only thing he can do. So he turns to blood magic because he doesn't realize that the champion of Kirkwall is standing right there next to him. You just murdered an entire like army of Templar. And he goes, well, I guess what I should do is transform into a giant flesh golem of evilness. <laughs> Which, by the way, I, I, when I you don't kill understand him, the logic to that. When you kill him, you can squish his head with your boot. You have to, because awesome. he doesn't turn into a giant flesh golem. He turns into a, a, a little creature that controls a giant flesh golem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So that thing, it, throughout the fight, it'll jump off the body, run around, you have to fight it, then jump back on the body, you fight it, the body drops, it, the head right. pops out, runs around. It's very annoying, because I was killing that thing super fast. Hmm. So, yes, that happens. And then you step on it and crush it, and it dies. And then you run out into the courtyard where you've been a billion times before, and there's Meredith with her glowing red sword, with the glowing red eyes, and she goes Super Saiyan-style Templar with powers of Red Lyrium, evil whatever. I, I don't... Uh... Which is a very annoying fight because she pauses you at points and you're like, I can't do any, I can't, am I supposed to not be able to do anything? Very, See, that's, very annoying See, that's fight. a mechanic I really dislike because mm. it takes control out of the hands of the user. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've said this on M multiple MMO podcasts, when control's taken away, players rage. Mm -hmm. it's just how it works. And I mean, that does happen. And then she jumps up there, you know, jumps into the sky, comes crashing down and and summons the statues around her to become her little puppets, which then you slaughter those giant statues, and they fall down, and she fights, and fall down, fights, fall down, fights. And it's just, it's a repeating cycle, and eventually, she explodes. Not like the Chantry did, she just gets, I guess, the power overwhelms her, and she explodes and turns into a husk. And, uh... That's a, it is a the, husk. It literally, it looks like somebody, like, they, they've dug up Pompeii ruins, and they've seen, you know, outlines of people. That's what it looks like. Yeah. It, it falls. It's very gnarled. It's very crushed. It looks awful. Yeah, she she's dead. <laughs> and the Templars are standing around. Uh, Templars are standing around, and it depends on whether or not you sided with, or you are a mage, or you sided with them, or not, uh, what the Templars will do. But basically, that's the last line of the game. Whatever the last thing somebody yelled in battle was the last line of the game, because they don't say anything. They're like, holy crap. You see Colin, and he either backs away or just walks away, um, and you walk out, like, drop the mic like a badass. <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. It's like, Look, I killed the Aeroshock, I killed a giant dragon, <laughs> I killed lots of other people, I've slaughtered many of your number, your knight commander just went god mode, I killed her too, what do you want to do? Yeah. Let's fight. And they're fine. Oh, well, well, they will bow also if if you sided with the Templars. Uh, that was very sweet, I remember seeing that. I wouldn't know, because I never did. Well, see, you're not seeing it from both points of view. But, you you're know right. who else we saw in this game? I want to go back to the the thing that I want to yell at you about. Uh, but okay. 
we also saw Liliana at some point in this game. Now, this is the part that I did not pay attention to. Because I seriously don't give a crap. But unfortunately, I did that because now Dragon Age 3 is coming out and she's a character. She's back in it. God, why did they bring her back? <sighs> um, Because you murdering her in Origins doesn't matter. <sighs> so, <laughs> it, after this game, you, you get the little story. Of course, there's a story with Varric and Cassandra, but... The story goes like you get those little, uh, what are they called? Uh, where are they now? I don't know what they're called. Uh, those oh, yeah. little things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it says that the Battle of Kirkwall, it spreads to all the other circles and they rise up and the circle of Magi is disbanded. That is huge to me. Uh, and eventually, you know, all your companions leave, except if you're romancing someone, uh, Varric will always say, except so-and-so. Mine's usually Anders. And it says the Mage Templar War officially begins. Now, I was surprised when I, when I went to this event, uh, for Dragon Age 3, when I, I of course, you know, I went in blind because I, I wanted to, and then I see this thing about, you know, rifts opening, and I'm like, I thought this was going to be about the Mage Templar War, because that's fascinating. Well, it, it is, kind of. What's, um, I don't want to skip too far ahead just yet, but just to get to that point, the Mage Templar War rages for several years following the events of Dragon Age 2, which carries into the very beginning, the prologue of Dragon Age Inquisition, where the leaders of the two factions are meeting for peace talks. The oh, yeah. fighting's been going on long enough. The, uh, the Divine Mother herself is a very, very liberal person she believes that the way the mages were treated was wrong and she felt that they need to be changed now if you play the last court it actually the the last court takes ends right before the meet happens because you actually have to meet the divine mother herself and she's on her way to the meetup right as the game ends for last court oh and so you actually get to have a few conversations with her and you get some impressions from her, and she actually did feel sorry for the mages, and she felt that the way they'd been treated was wrong, and she felt like they did need to have their chains loosened a lot. So, but would okay, but would that have been even brought to mind? Was she even thinking about that before Anders uh, brought that to everyone's mind in a very public way? Mm, I don't know. I believe that the books that we haven't read have addressed a bunch of that. Really? There's, there's a lot of details that we don't know because they're in the other novels. Uh, unfortunately, that's just information I don't have because I haven't read them. Yeah. But they do directly lead into what's going on. With the but, uh, well, you know, the, the, most of the people playing these games haven't read them either. So uh, right. would it matter right. to them or not? I don't know. I don't have that information. Of course, you know, uh, when I was talking to my, Mike, Mike Laidlaw about the, the uh, canon of this entire thing, he he was saying that, you know, it canon-wise... Anora is king, or Anora's king, Anora's queen, and queen alone. She's unmarried. And in the comics, which I would believe all of this should be, you know, canon. In the comics, Andrew, or not Andrew, Alistair is king by himself. Now, so I don't know how much either books or comics have to do with the real game anymore. Well, uh, apparently in the comics, it's established that Alistair is king. Yeah, I know, because I read And him. I think he's also king... Without Anora. Yeah. So uh, just to affect that, I actually went into the keep and changed so that Alistair is no longer with Anora. 
according Good. to my uh, my save state that I'm going to go with into Dragon Age Inquisition. I've actually been editing it while we're talking about the show because there were a couple of things in here that I don't know why they were chosen, such as killing the dragon in the bone pit. It had it that I hadn't killed the dragon in the bone pit. I always kill the dragon in the bone pit. Why would you not? It has a lot of good drops. <laughs> and that's all I care about. That and killing a dragon's awesome. Um, it's a fun fight, though. Anyway. It's right, a long so, fight. Now, there's something we did want to get to that we haven't gotten to. And that's directly following Anders blowing up the Chantry. You have a choice right there. <laughs> Do you let him go and tell him to run as fast as he can? Do you f- not necessarily forgive him, but not kill him and tell him he's going to make up for what he's done? Or do you take a knife and shove it into his neck? <clears throat> mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, I was very reactionary the moment he blew up the Chantry, because I have always seen it the exact same way. While I do not feel that the way the Chantry treated mages was correct, was fair, I did not agree with what he did. And I, I never have agreed with what he did. Killing all those innocents was not how you do things. That was an act of terrorism. And, oh, man, I was pissed. Uh, the whole make or no thing, Sebastian wasn't the only one doing that. I was That was one of those moments where I seriously had to just look at my screen in pure amazement that they had the nuts to do that. Yeah. I sat there staring at the screen going, <laughs> you've got to be bleeping kidding me <laughs> I, st- I, I i there was probably a 10 minute period where i just sat there going did that seriously just happen That's exactly and then it, it, it came up with the the <laughs> options come up and i went uh look 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 oh kill click <laughs> and i proceeded to end his life right there and then sebastian high-fived me and we went to work <laughs> I think Meryl got really mad about that, but I didn't even care back then. Why would you care, anyway? I don't. Because I don't care about Meryl. <laughs> exactly. Oh. I don't. Meryl's awful. Oh, the, Meryl and the Alluvian. But, yeah, uh, we'll have to go yes. into that. But, okay. <clears throat> I so, see it. Okay, Meredith was overcome with this lyrium thing. Yes. And that's another point, too. I've had this conversation with one of our listeners uh, a few times now, and they're in the chat listening in right now, about whether Meredith was truly evil. Now, I believe that she was very, very, very in her ways. She believed that she, what she was doing was right. And she. Uh, there are some points where she feels like, or rather it comes off as, she understands that what she's doing is painful for the mages, but she feels like it's the only thing she can do. Mm-hmm. And she can't show leniency in the event that they, you know, that one blood mage gets out. It's better that all of them are restricted rather than one blood mage be allowed to continue. But at the same time, she also kind of recognizes that, you know, by strangling the mages as much as she does, she's also causing them to lean toward becoming blood mages. Now, I believe that at some point the Red Lyrium did take hold of her and twist her. But I feel like the only thing the Red Lyrium really does is amplifies those bad feelings. It goes directly for the the bad part of every human being, or every creature, rather, because clearly it doesn't just work on humans. It also very much directly affected a dwarf. So I, I still have kind of always gone with the idea 
that while Meredith seems like she hates what she's doing, she was in a position the entire time that she could have fought for change, and she didn't. How do you think so? Because if she let up, uh, things were already getting th- things were already pretty bad. They were getting bad. Like Fenris had always said about Tevinter, um, with the leniency. I mean, you see, he tells you what happens in Tevinter. Uh, the mages start fighting with each other. Of course, they want to be more powerful than each other. They wind up using blood magic. It's, it's a whole thing of, of slavery and blood magic because of what happens when all the mages can go free. It's kind of like actually kind of said right in chat, um, I'd rather spare a blood mage than kill an innocent. It's the same way. Would you... The, what they're doing to all the the people who, frankly speaking, aren't bad... They they didn't choose to be mages. None of them chose to become a mage. That's how they were born. They're mm-hmm. pushed for how they're born. The same thing as being an elf. You know, they were slaves at one point. It wasn't their fault they were born as elves. That's just how it is. And they've got to deal with that. But there there was this a certain level of choice. The entire time, Meredith had a choice. She could have either treated the mages what they were, people, or she could have treated them as evil creatures, which is what she did. How she treated you, all of them with the same level of disdain as she should treat a blood mage. How would she you expect her to all. treat them? Look at Gregor in the, the Circle of Ferelden. He was cautious toward the mages, but he was never outright, let's kill them all right now. But literally, what would you do? Uh, how would you keep tabs on them? Uh, it's not like they... They had a small size of force there of Templars. They they had how, a lot of Templars. But if they, it, it, it depends on how big the land was. I mean, how could you literally keep a tab on them? They would have to be in one place, or else you just can't. They were. You they were all possibly. in the circle. I know. Every but they, one of those mages were were locked away in in a tower. In exactly. A That's I, that's the only way she could ensure that she there was an eye kept on them. Right, but it's not a level of where they are, is how they were treated. The reason that they, the mages ended up going ballistic is because of how they were treated. They were all treated like criminals. There's a difference between being kept away to protect the people and kept away because they're prisoners. But what was, uh, I, well, I just don't remember. I'm not arguing with you, but what, I don't remember. What was, what was life like for a daily mage? I mean, I remember, at one point, Bethany would write you a note, and she she's doing all right. You know, she's reading, she's doing stuff. You know, but she's just she's just stuck in a small place. But other than that, I mean, you know, now Anders had said something about sometimes Templars will you know take advantage of some mages or whatnot. Um, but in certain oh, they definitely certain circles, would. they yeah. definitely would. Um, and I mean, you, there's even many examples of of the knights just outright killing mages just because, or treating them horribly, abusing them because they can. They but I'm seeing that more power. out in the, in the open when they're hunting apostates. I, I see that right. more. Yeah. It's, it's a complicated situation, but I, I'm trying to think of a more adequate way to explain it. It works in my head, but when I try to put it to words, it's not. <laughs> well, well. 
Uh, Candledark is saying, Meredith was ordering the killing of mages over small things. You can see how many mages there were in the courtyard for the first chapter. Then in the third chapter, the mages were all but gone. All that were left were the tranquils selling things, which is very, very true. But they were, well, I would think a lot of them are in the chant, or in the. And mages were also disappearing. And not just mages, but the Templar were also disappearing and being experimented on. There was a lot of weird things going on. And over time, Meredith slowly started doing things and stopped, you know, stopped even bothering to talk to people. And I don't think that was purely just because of the Red Lyrium. The Red Lyrium took existing ideas and amplified them to the point of insanity. Well, also, I think that was those, the same those thing with ideas Anders, were it's human nature. It I probably agree. just took the things from human nature. I'm actually trying to write myself notes because there are some things that we're forgetting and I want to get to them, but I keep wanting to argue with you. <laughs> Even though I am, I'm pro mage, but I just want to be pro Templar just to piss you off. <laughs> I'm, I, that, that, then that's fine because it doesn't matter. Whoever chooses Templar is wrong. <laughs> well, can you imagine being a person you know, just going about your daily business, you're you're a citizen of Kirkwall. You're you're not doing anything. You're just a normal human being. Uh, no powers, nothing. And uh, imagine knowing that there is someone. Uh, say the mages were free. They were right next to you. They could come in and just they could ruin your life at a thought. You know uh, what really gets me is that I, I kind of understand the Templars from this point of view. If mages have a bad day, people die. If mages PMS, people die. I mean, it's it's pretty bad, oh, right? But there's, you've got the Templar who are trained to resist and fight against mages. That's what they are for. And actually, fun fact, the Templars actually used to be the Inquisition. Yes. The first Inquisition eventually became the Templar Order after the Inquisition was no longer needed. So here you've got this, this order of people who are trained to not only fight against, but protect Thetis from mages. That's one thing. Now, granted, a single mage could probably take out an entire contingent of Templar if they so desired. And obviously, at some point, they finally do rise up. But you've also got this thing where they could have worked with the mages. At at some point, there needs to be some progression, which there never was progression with the mages. It only ever got worse for them as the years went by. So instead of working with them and trying to improve the situation for all mages, trying to get to a point where mages can work toward the betterment of all mankind, they made it worse for them. They developed that hatred toward them. They're the ones who instilled the fear toward the Templar with the mages. It was because of the actions of the Templar that the mages became the exact thing that people were afraid of mages becoming. Well, that's a, that's a power thing. I mean, ugh, God. <laughs> Which, it goes both ways. Yeah. A person with power can either use it for good or use it for evil. And how do you ensure that they use it for good? I mean, uh, uh, Big Brother programs? I mean, what, what are you going to do? I, can, I do understand your point, but ser- yes. if you think about having to implement this, uh, it's, it's really overwhelming. That's why also I bring up the X-Men, because it reminds me of that, the struggle between the, the regular people um, and people with powers. Right. But at the same time, you've got the Knight Commander. The Knight Commander there is a person with power. Maybe not magical fade power that allows her to summon fireballs from the sky and douse cities in fire. But she had an entire army 
an army. And that's the thing, too, is the highest authority in the city was not Meredith. It was the mother. The very person that got exploded all over Because her. she did nothing. Because the mother did because nothing. Because she did nothing. I, I, I agree with that. But that did not mean she deserved to die. If Anders was... And this is going back to the Anders being a dick. If <laughs> Anders would have chosen a better target, you know who he should have blown up? Meredith. Not the woman that was trying to appeal for kindness toward them. When Orsino and Meredith got into fights, it wasn't Hawk that stopped the fight. It was the mother. She stopped the fight and caused everyone to calm down. She would stop the she fight, cause trying. everybody to calm down, but would do nothing. And then Anders you need, was like, you gotta, if you have you gotta conversations with her, or get off the she pot. does actually feel terrible for the mages. But it's to a, a point of, you know, she can only do so much. And how she was do trying. you think any of the mages really believe that? Yeah, because they, they were at least treating her with respect. They respected her. They did not respect Meredith. And Meredith gave them no reason to. But anyway, and, and yes, as Seer says, inaction is action. I, I do completely believe that. I mean, it, overall, it's a complicated situation. Which is why it's a great at the game! Same time, <laughs> It is. It's it, a great it, story. It really is something that makes you think. What could have been different? What could have changed? In the end, it doesn't matter because regardless of what you do, there was always one thing that happened. You can't sit there and dwell on what could have happened. You just have to deal with the situation and move on. And that's really what the premise of Inquisition is initially. Well, and then everything goes boom. Again, Dragon Age 2 ended with a boom. And, well... The Inquisition starts with one. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Speaking Brand of who, Claire, whatever. Yes, I get it. Yeah, look, yeah, whoever she is. I was um, trying to go for the name the entire time, but I couldn't remember it. Uh, Grand Cleric. Yeah, it's uh, it's written in the notes, but there's so many notes. There were like 15 pages when I just copied and pasted, and I was like, no. Yeah. Um, okay, things that we skipped notes. over. There was something in the chat that I'll have to go back and look, uh, but also the Alluvian. Because we yes. know it's going to come up, or we pretty damn sure it's going to come up, because it has come up in the keep, what, it's not last the court. keep, last court. Yep, it came up in the last court, uh, along with Morgan. She appears there, <laughs> and she's fixing a broken one. Whether this is the same one that broke in, uh, in yes. Morton's, whether it's the one that Meryl fixes, I don't know. Has to be, has to, in I don't, my- I don't think it, I don't think it does have to be, because it's perfectly, Capable, or it's perfectly possible that at some point, somewhere else in the world, another one was broken. Yeah. That, that, it's without a doubt. How easy possible. are those to move? Um, <laughs> I would say they're in fixed locations up until they're broken. Well, okay, so uh, Meryl, basically, uh, the story about Meryl is that she's trying to fix this alluvian. You know it's bad. You know, well, at least in, in Origins, it led to where the Darkspawn were. I <coughs> killed a friend of yours if you played a Dalish mage. Uh, right. Brought Darkspawn out, and in Witch Hunt, Morgan disappears through it. <laughs> right, exactly. Now, here's the thing. As, as we've said before, there are a large number of Alluvian. The exact number is not known. It's not restricted two. to the two that we have seen. Two. It's not, that's not the case. Two. The case at all. <laughs> you're wrong. And you're wrong. It's like the vanishing cabinets in Harry Potter, I swear. 
and you're wrong. That's, that's not the case at all. It's the same thing that happened to Hogwarts, man. You get one fist, mm, but and all hell breaks loose, and Bill Weasley becomes a werewolf. But it's not. <laughs> I hope it's, so, it's Bill Weasley. Okay. The Illuvian that Meryl fixes is uh, what a demon that is trapped in a statue is trying to use to connect to our world and go through. And, of course, she's being tempted by this demon... And uh, long story short, we were right the entire time. She should have just abandoned the project. She didn't. And as a result, the Keeper has to die. She sacrifices herself so that Meryl can live. And then you have to talk your way out of a, a fun conversation with the rest of the clan, which either can result in them going, get away from here, we never want to see you again, or you slaughter all of them. Oh, that's horrible. I, oh. Well, her reaction... I, yeah, well, when oh, I was doing my re- my most recent playthrough, when I live-streamed DA2, mm-hmm. halfway through slaughtering them, I actually had to stop and reload the save because I couldn't bring myself to kill them all. They <laughs> did not deserve to die. It hurts. The one person that deserved to die was Meryl, because she's stupid and doesn't pay attention. Oh, it's fine. I can deal with all the blood magic. It's fine. It's just how you use it. No, it's blood magic. You're dumb, and you cause the death of people. Your Welsh accent is horrible. <laughs> I'm just doing an accent to mock her. I, I know. Try <laughs> but, yes. No, I can't stop laughing at you. Oh, I'm an idiot. See? That she doesn't Mar- even know where she's no. from? No. Not at all. Oh, and yes, uh, thank you, Candle Dog. Wow, you're reading my mind. Um, Candle Dog is a big Dragon Age fan. I, I actually uh, met him, Her, I think, I believe it's her, um, back when... Uh, Silent Fury 007 first played this game about a year and a half ago. We just happened to be in the chat room and um, got to talking about Dragon Age. But yes, so on the same page as I am. Apparently there was a point where you had the choice to allow Hawk's mom, mom to be saved, but no one was taking the choice to let her die. And that kind of ruined their storyline. So they made it that she died always. Hawk's mom right. dies. That's not the only thing that actually got omitted in the game. Apparently <laughs> at some point, Connor from Dragon Age Origins, was supposedly a mage there in Kirkwall, at the Circle. Uh, Which probably would have led to some disastrous results. I I don't know, I don't remember the exact reasoning, but that was removed. Or just never made it into the game. Now, um, now, uh, your overall thoughts of this game, as to the point of, um, what was the phrase that I was thinking in my head and I totally forgot, because I was reading the chat. Anders deserved to die. You That's know what? No, no. I yes. think he was desperate. He was trying to get up because, yeah, inaction is an action. Um, how, your, your most sad face moments. The ones you had to, had the feels, yes. What moments oh, made well, you have the most feels? Let's go right back to what we were just talking about. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I think the one moment in the game that really got me was when Hawk's mother, who has already been cut to pieces, um, dies for the second time in the arms of her son. I think the moment and then at some point it's the moment but, when she stands up and looks at you and kind of walks towards you. Uh, that oh moment creeped me the hell out. But no, the moment where she's regained consciousness oh, for oh. the brief, like minute and a half that she's still alive and then dies. And, you know, you've got you've got Hawk who catches her as she falls. And uh, you've got the companions who are sitting in the background because they want no part of this. <laughs> we don't know how to react situation. to this, guys. We're like, uh, let's just let him be right there for a moment. He probably needs time to collect what's left of his mother. Jesus. 
she got parted out. She did. And God, can you imagine trying to carry her out of that place and take her to a burial and a part falls off and somebody has to pick it up? Oh. Uh, no, she would have gotten the Viking funeral. Uh, I would have burned her corpse right there. Uh, that's just yeah. terrible. Uh, um, having Finding Seamus dead, the Viscount's son. Finding him dead in the Chantry, that was also kind of heartbreaking. Oh, that was pretty creepy, though. Who was it that... Oh, no, it was the, the chick, the, the Chantry chick, the bad one. Um, the one that sent you around with the mage in the Chinari. Chan- yes, she was... Uh, she, Patrice. Yes, when she yeah, well, was when she killed. gets arrowed. No, I, I, I had uh-huh. to just give the full-on applause when she got killed. <laughs> she deserved it. And, no, I didn't feel bad about that at all. And, um... um the Chantry Mother. And even, yeah, yeah. Uh, even the Grand Cleric was like, you're going to die now. Yeah, she, well, she saw that, and she was like, all right, and just walks away. <laughs> yep. Like, she sorry is for the just mess. like the Viscount, a political figure. She's not just a religious leader. Everything she does is political as well. So, so she, uh, well, just she was like anyone else, has to, yeah, she had to uh, die. walk a fine line. Well, evidently she did. It got people's attention as as much oh, as I hate it, and it's wrong, and and all kinds of terrible terrorism is wrong. It got their attention. Yeah, and uh, according to Mike Laidlaw himself, if uh, if it turned out that Bethany lived and she ended up being in the Chantry, she would have died during the Mage War. Mm-hmm. So, in effect. What I'm hearing here is Anders killed Bethany. And so, again, I don't feel bad about him dying. In fact, my next playthrough of Dragon Age 2 will involve me murdering him. And I'm going to save before that so I can go and replay that scene over and over and over again of Kaboom, make a no step. Kaboom, make a no step. One of our listeners, please make that video for him or at least a vine or something. Oh my god, that would be amazing. If that becomes a vine, I will love you forever. <laughs> Get on that, people. Um, oh, god darn it, now I forgot where I was going to go with that. Oh, yeah, speaking of um, stabbing people, uh, the romance is in this. You can either, as a, as a male, well, you can have anybody, really, except for Sebastian, uh, as either male or female. Except Aveline as well, but... That little story was adorable. That's what those were one of my moments I, that see, I will never forget. I will never romance Aveline because You can't. No. You can't. Because I, I remember going through and I was can. like, I'm gonna do everybody in this game. I don't care who it is. I even did Meryl at one point. Pretty sure that you can. No. You cannot. Because uh, she is always set to oh, No, you can't. You can't. That's I know. Right. Um she is always set Peter to romance Donovan. Fenris. Uh-huh. Isabella. Meryl and Sebastian. Yep. And only pseudo romance Sebastian. Not Varric, nor uh of course your brother and sister. Hey, Road, you need to remember that. You cannot romance your sister. Um, <sighs> well she's dead. Thanks, Anders. <laughs> Just because you made that conclusion now, it's it well, it was already impossible to argue with well, it was a little bit possible to argue with you. Because you you can see uh, some kind of other points of view, but now you're just gonna be impossible, aren't you? Let's not talk about Felicia Day either. That's another. Thank you. Oh well, let's not let's not mention that. I'm not a fan, but oh wait, did damn it, (sighs) Felicia Day. Yeah, Um. (laughs) (laughs) never heard that before. 
well, okay then, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of romances, um, yeah. Um, I, I feel like we're probably going to catch a lot of flack for that comment. Uh, I apologize for nothing. I'm not that big of a Felicia Day fan. I am not so either. The only Dragon Age content that I have not played is that. Yeah, uh, so mine are the Darkspawn Chronicles, and I, I got halfway through that, and there was a point where I could not get past some guards or something. I was furious. I remember exactly, you know, where I was sitting, uh, in what position I was sitting, and then I was just like, screw this, I'm going to Skyrim. And that's when I started playing Skyrim, and that was the last, uh, <laughs> for about two years. Or, no, I, I've played every year, but I've not DLC revisited talk. That. Mm, that's what we're being requested to talk about the DLC. I don't remember it. it uh, you just played Legacy, but that was about it. Uh, yeah, well, Legacy is really the only one that matters, honestly, <laughs> because uh, kind of like Witch Hunt, there's only one DLC that actually genuinely matters. And, uh, well, Legacy is that one. And I just broke my Dragon Age keep. What did I do? The only thing I remember about that, is that what you've been playing? God. Um, the only I've thing totally I remember been, about I've Legacy been customizing is my that, save again. What are you going to do? Is that um, you, there's a lot of talk about Hawk's dad. Well, yeah, it, it's entirely about Malcolm Hawk, mm-hmm. who is the father. And it turns out, he was a Grey Warden. And well, a mage. And a, well, obviously, he's a mage. Mm, was, he a great, what, was he actually a Grey Warden, or was he just working with the Grey Wardens? I don't remember. I might have to research uh, that again. Uh, like Tashi Station, Station just say, uh, Sebastian isn't a penetration-level romance. <laughs> Okay, that's definitely one way of putting it, yes. Yeah, he worked with the Grey Wardens, but he was not a Warden. That's right. Okay, I was right about that. So, you uh, you get some information about this place that your father at one point had been, and uh, you meet up with your living sibling. Had they it become a Warden, they end up popping out and helping you out there, and that's that's awesome. That's uh, It was great fun to be able to actually play some content with Bethany rather than having yeah. her off saving the world in some other means or being trapped in a tower. Uh, obviously, I've never played it with Carver because Carver died. Sad face. But anyway, while you're down there, you uh, you find out that the previous Warden Commander is not the one from Ferelden, mind you, a different Warden right. Commander, because there are different Warden Commanders, uh, who went on his calling, is still, I guess you could say, alive. He's more like Ruck. But, <laughs> yes, he's down there, and he's very tainted. And he's kind of become one with the taint, but he's still kind of lucid about who he used to be, kind of, about as much as Ruck was. And uh, some bad things are going on down there. There's a lot of Carta people that are kind of cultish, and if you were watching my playthrough of it, they didn't have bodies because the graphics broke for some reason. <laughs> I still don't know what caused that, but a lot of them were running around just as arms, legs, and heads. It was actually kind of hysterical. Uh, I probably still have the screenshots of that, in fact. But anyway, that's not the point. So you go through here, you get through all these cultish people, you eventually come upon uh, one that is lucid-ish. <laughs> and it's the very person that made Bianca. Hey! And Varric's with you, they they have this delightful little conversation, and then you put a crossbow bolt in his forehead. <laughs> because he's crazy. You don't know why. Anyway... Tra-la-la-la-la, we all go through the dungeon, blah-blah-blah, things happen. Uh, you hear some fun things about Malcolm down there. Malcolm has a message, 
uh, you hear it through the fade or through some voodoo magic type stuff that happens down there because Malcolm was a very powerful apostate. And Grey Wardens don't worry about working with apostates because they're not the Chantry. And they do things right. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Because, hell yeah, Wardens. <laughs> anyway, we get to this point where you stumble upon these Grey Wardens. These Grey Wardens are down there for another reason. They're, well, they find that for some reason they think they can control the power of an ancient Devinter mage. One who hmm. supposedly was involved in the Black City incident. And the Black I City is the, the beginning City. of the Darkspawn. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I don't exactly know what was going through their heads at the time they made the decision they thought they could control this power. Maybe they were being controlled by this ancient force. That's what I'm going to go ahead and go with, that they were being controlled. Because I don't want to look at wardens and go, you're an idiot. Especially uh, after happen. I just complimented them. Come on. It can happen. It can. So we find the ancient darkspawn known as Corypheus. And uh, we let him loose. Because why the hell not? <laughs> it, was, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Uh, our friend Warden Commander Larius runs off and disappears somewhere. You end up murdering the the, uh, the other Grey Warden. Well, I guess it really depends on who you choose, but you, there's only one right answer. Um, you side with Larius every time, because why would you go with the Templar, or the, not the Templars, why do I call them Templars? Grey Wardens. Why would you side with the Grey Wardens? That's just stupid. They're obviously not in their right mind. You don't want to side with them, just like you don't want to side with the Templar. That's the connection. You don't side with the idiots. It makes sense. Anyway, there's a big, powerful fight. Obviously, this... This ancient Deventer Magist is not exactly at his full power, and you defeat him and reseal him. Or so you think. Because the following cutscene shows that clearly he didn't do that. Dun, dun, dun. It doesn't matter who you side with. He still escapes. He's out there. He's out there. Now, this brings another point. Hmm. This Darkspawn, who uh, doesn't realize that he's been trapped for so long, but eventually kind of comes to and realizes what's going on and you know, goes off into the world to become a, an ultra-powerful creature. Now, here's the thing. He was able to transfer bodies, kind of like how the Archdemon can transfer bodies to other Darkspawn. Right. That's a thing. So, this is an ancient magus. It looks like some kind of twisted mage slash Darkspawn kind of thing, just like the Architect. Now, what's to say that maybe the Architect didn't lose their memories and actually believe they were fully a Darkspawn, not someone that became a Darkspawn. Okay. I, I th This is, after the whole Corypheus thing, my thoughts that that the Architect was just some random Darkspawn that, due to some freak accident, became conscious and was separated from the hive mind yeah. and gained intelligence. No. It, it is much more logical that the architect, just like Corypheus, is one of the original Darkspawn and just doesn't remember it. That could be. That makes more sense. Which would mean that the architect, then, is a lot more powerful than I think he should be, and releasing him into the world was probably a mistake. Well, I mean, uh, I, I have no qualms with that. I mean, I think that's a good, <laughs> good thought. <laughs> but at the same time, maybe it wasn't a mistake. Maybe, eventually, 
the architect will remember who they were and (laughs) not care who they were. We'll just have all that ancient knowledge, which will help them benefit the world. Because obviously they're on a path to try to, well, not, I wouldn't say obviously, but theoretically they're on a path to make the world a better place for everyone. Not just non-Darkspawn, not just Darkspawn. Everyone. So we can all hold hands and get the taint. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we all hold hands and get the taint. Gross. Um, so you're saying that, well, I can see where he, he thinks he's doing a good, he's doing a good thing. Um, what if Flemeth were one of the original Darkspawn? And doesn't know it. See, I don't think I think she's an old god. Darkspawn. I think that it is possible that Flemeth is either one of the old gods and thus has the power to transform into a human. Yep. Or is one of the original uh, mages that tried to go to the Black (gasps) City and did not actually transform. Oh my god! She was able to before whatever you know power tainted everyone else. Maybe she made it out. And has been working behind the scenes ever since to try to keep that ancient power from taking over the world in her own way. Oh my god! <laughs> because, I mean, it would make sense. She is, regardless of what her origin is, she is an immensely powerful mage, and she is ancient. Ah, oh, that's true. So maybe oh my she's god. just some. Maybe she's just some mage from ancient times that was able to bind herself to the world and thus has immortality. Maybe she is the body-hopping mage that everyone thinks she is. Maybe she is an ancient Tevinter mage and was involved in the Black City incident. Maybe she is an old god and so far has been avoiding becoming a blight creature. Or or could be super, you know, you know hyper... Uh have hyper abilities and is able, like you said earlier, to transform into a human. Um, Maybe she's Andraste. I don't you know. You know what? I, 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 well, that, I've that said that hype. before, but the the stories are similar, betrayed by men. Um, uh, what was I gonna, oh, shoot. Okay. See, here's the you're thing. My about... mind is just jumping from one subject to the next because I have all these speculations and I hope, I genuinely hope that at least one of them is clarified in Inquisition. Yeah, and and we're also trying to get them all out, I know, because Inquisition is coming out, and then we're going to get, hopefully, some of this information, um, and so we want to get it out as speculation ahead of time. That's why I keep letting you go on this. But you're talking about, okay, the baby, the the baby transfer. Um, Remember Fiona? Oh, you mean God Baby? Yeah. um, That's another thing entirely. I know, but speaking of that... uh, do you think that has the same kind of effect as why uh, Alistair was not born with the taint? Because I don't know what it, it has. To, no, no, there was no, no, no. Uh, archdemon around. I know which which kind of qualifies that, but it's still kind of mysterious about why and and why. What's her face? Uh, uh, Fiona, Fiona lost the ability to be a great warden, or you know, ha- no longer had the taint. Well, in her. I, I think I don't think she ever lost taint. I just think it's not transforming her like it does everyone else. No, it's gone. It's completely gone. Uh, I don't Mm -hmm. remember. um, I I remember because I had to do the little book report on it. (laughs) I don't remember how that played out. Anyway, uh, I don't know. Um, I genuinely don't know. I kind of wonder what happens if uh, 
a great one. I mean, that's the only case that I can know or I can think of off the top of my head. But what happens after a a warden has a child? Because, you know, just going off of that thought there of itself, what would happen if female warden from Origins and Alistair had a child? Mm-hmm. How would that work out? Now, obviously, it's not canon, but how would that work out? Because both of them have the taint. I remember him saying, him telling when he proposed, <laughs> or at least before the proposal, he said, it'll be very diff- difficult. And, and I remember saying, not for the lack of trying. <laughs> but, um, Fair point. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know how it works with the baby mamas and all that. Um, and of course, I was thinking the other night, you know, uh, Anders always, or not Anders, Alistair was talking about how, it was actually fun being a gray warden, except for all the dark spawn and the nightmares. It was actually fun because, you know, you got to bond with your buddies and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he was telling about Save drinking. Save the world, and, see all these nice places. Yeah, and, and you go drinking with everybody, you know, and it was fun. And I was or, thinking in the events of Dragon Age 2, if he doesn't become king, he goes drinking by himself in another city far, far away. <laughs> but, yeah, okay, he goes drinking with his buddies. You all become buddies, bad brothers and all that crap. And... You can imagine, because he said there weren't that many female wardens, but there were some. Can you imagine the orgies they would have? Because they weren't Templars. They weren't, you know, uh, chased or anything. Can you imagine? Well, neither were the mages. <laughs> well, the mages weren't, yeah. But um, I don't think they took no see, vows that's on the that thing. part. That's the difference. I don't think Templar are chaste. Yeah. Because there are married Templar out there. Well, it's the priests, the, the, the actual clerics. They are. Are you sure? I don't know. That's right, because that Templar Thrask had a daughter. Oh, yeah. And she was See? a mage. Well, oh. and then you've got Aveline. Aveline and her husband that was a Templar. Her, no, they were both soldiers. Well, yeah, but she was not a Templar. Uh, yeah. Her husband was a Templar. Uh, oh, Wesley, the first husband. Okay. Yes, yes, the first. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the one, that, the one I stabbed right at the beginning of the game. <laughs> the one that she should have let to his wife? Yeah. No, because that's rude. That's not rude. And you're wrong. <laughs> um, wow, I, I, yeah, that didn't get me. Oh. Hmm? Why did I always think? So, well, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, what else do we have to talk about here? Because we're running at two hours now. Yeah, and, and I'm going, how much of this am I editing? <laughs> um, so, long and okay. short, long and short. Uh, it in at Dragon Age Two ends with a book closing. That's what I remember. And Varric yes. is released, and she goes, "Oh yeah, Cassandra leaves, and she goes outside to meet with Liliana, and asks about what are we gonna do now." And Liliana is just like, "We can't find either the warden or the champion. That's it." Of course, which doesn't make sense if uh the warden is king or <laughs> uh, married well, to or whatnot. Well, it, it's this. It's the same thing for. I'm. I don't. I can't really speak to what, but I'm sure something comes up and the warden has to disappear. Now, in my case, obviously, my warden disappeared into the Illuvian. Oh yeah, oh. Morgan. Because hell yeah, doesn't matter why. That's just how it happens. Now, in the case of Hawk, now regardless of how the end of the game plays out for you, if you side with the Templar, you can actually become Viscount. But at some point down the line, Hawk will still disappear. Now, if he sides with the mages, mm-hmm. he immediately runs away because uh, you're also going to be hunted just like the mages are. Oh, That's just how it works. 
So regardless, both the heroes of the previous games disappear somewhere. Now, it is confirmed that Hawk turns up in Inquisition at some point. We don't know the circumstances leading to it yet, but he does. It's in trailers out there. That's not a spoiler, unless, of course, you haven't been, uh, well, watching the trailers and avoiding spoilers, in which case you're listening to the wrong podcast. (laughs) Hey, I'm on the podcast, and I'm, I'm avoiding spoilers. Well, we also know that the Warden, while referenced in Inquisition, will not turn up. We also know from the interview with Liz during Episode 7 yeah. that there is no Anders in this game either. But he did not necessarily say he were he was dead. No. Which I so, would actually think in canon, I really think in canon, most people would have killed him. Yeah, I, I'll, I almost guarantee you that the wiki will say, depending on the choices. <laughs> I kind of wonder if Anders is going to be referenced to just like the Warden is. But uh, we also know that Morgan pops up at some point. So I, I kind of wonder how that plays out. Uh, I'm just going to imagine in my head canon, because that's the only canon that matters yeah. to me, yeah. uh, that the Warden is the stay-at-home dad <laughs> taking care of the God Baby while Morgan is out there being a badass because uh, it's what Morgan does, and Mama Dragon has to protect her chicky. Um, uh, what if what if Morgan left her home with Flemeth? <laughs> Just like I got to go, I got stuff what to if, do. Yeah, see, that's the thing. <laughs> Flemeth pops up at the uh, at the Warden Estate, wherever that may be, somewhere in Thetis. And while Morgan and uh, the Warden are just hanging out. Plymouth pops in, probably erupts out of the fireplace because she has to make a dramatic entrance at wherever she is. Uh, we know this is a fact. Both times she pops up in Dragon Age 2. And she goes, Morgan, I'm not trying to take over your body. I need your help. Something bad is about to happen. Warden, stay here. Protect the god baby. And then they both jump into the flames, shoot out of the chimney, off to the sky. They both transform the dragons. And that's when we see them later on in one of the trailers when a dragon tackles the other giant weird-looking dragon that's apparently the ancient enemy that we have to fight. Wow, it is time to end this show. You have gone Drugs crazy. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I snorted a little bit of lyrium before the show started. <laughs> it wasn't red, though. It was the good kind. Are you sure? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, uh, time to end this because I was planning on having time to play, you know, Inquisition other than editing this, but it turns out I'm going to have to edit this. So let's just go. I already gave the contact info. Um, what Have I forgotten anything? Uh, no, I, last time I asked that, the, the five times I've asked that, there has been stuff. So we're just going to end this. Happy Inquisition. Uh, don't forget to preload it if you have pre-ordered it. Uh, it's, it's probably already out by the time this gets out anyway. Um and watch for us for the next, uh, well, since I think till like December 27th, um, watch for streams from <laughs> us. What? Oh, for a minute there, I thought you said we weren't going to be all back for a show then. No. Nope, um, next week. No, I, I, I don't know. Uh, but until about December 27th, we're going to be pushing, um, our plays of Inquisition. Um, yes. Yeah. And, uh, if you guys, don't want to watch the streams because obviously the game is coming out this week and I'm just going to assume that most, if not all of you listening, I know some people can't immediately jump and get the game themselves. That's fine. We're not going to hate you for it, but we're just going to assume that most of you guys will be playing with us 
please, 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 for the first week, don't go to your social media and post stuff. Don't talk to your friends about the details. Don't. Well, you can talk to your friends over like Skype and stuff. Anyone. Right. Well, that's fine. But don't ruin the story for other people. Give the at least for the first week. Don't ruin things. Granted, we'll be streaming the game, so we'll be ruining whoever wants to watch. That's your fault for yeah, watching. That's their own damn fault. Stream. Because we're required to put Dragon Age Inquisition, you know, at the top. You know what you're into, or you know, you right. know what you're in for. If you follow my stream, if you follow Liz's stream in this coming week, you're going to be seeing Dragon Age Inquisition. So I'm not going to give spoiler warnings at any point. I'm going to be playing the damn game and enjoying every minute of it while also watching your guys' commentary should you decide to watch with and, the, you know, essentially play with us. If you want to play on your own and not watch the stream, I'm perfectly fine with that. Just don't ruin it for other people for at least the first week. And I think it would probably be fair to say that you and I will be coming back next week with our initial impressions on what we've played so far. Bazaar. Makes yeah. sense? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. My tooth really That's hurts. That's all I have to say. And Mike dropped. So, goodbye, everyone. Say goodbye. Bye. Okay, I love you. Bye-bye. Good night and good gaming. But wait, there's more. Hang on to your seat, baby. Uh, have you ended the stream yet? No, the stream's still going. So, post-show, everybody. Dang it, Yamakog, that's the one, I'm sorry to interrupt, Yamakog, you're the one that I kept thinking, when Rhoda's finished talking, I will mention you because he has to mention, and I, I always forgot, just because Rhoda talks a lot. Oh, we forgot to address that email we got, the big angry one. I'm still recording, we're still live, so let's go ahead and address this email. We're not going to read the whole thing. In fact, I'm not even going to call the guy out by name. We're just going to call him C. Mr. C. Mr. C. So we've just established that it's a guy. Actually, the name's pretty ambiguous. I have no idea if it's a guy or a girl. I hope I'm getting the audio right because you keep breaking up again. But anyway. So we're going to go back to episode six where at one point I went on a big rant, as I do, about Shiani in the alienage in Dragon Age Origins. And how when first addressing you, she comes off as a total racist, quote-unquote. She calls me a sham gets real mad, I'm there to save her, she should bow down and kiss my feet because I'm the savior of Ferelden and I'm there to make their lives better and kill all the the slavers. If you remember listening to that, me being rude towards Shani was 100% tongue-in-cheek. It was pure sarcasm, and if you can't take a joke, I'm not going to apologize for it. I will not at any point apologize for how I refer to Shiani during episode 6. It's not going to happen. Because I have had people comment to me how hilarious my rant was. So apparently the sarcasm could be picked up in that. However, I will say I apologize that you interpreted what I said in that manner. It could have been a bit ambiguous, but it was with the full intent of being sarcasm. And it was sarcasm. I know what the plight of the elves are. I am very acutely aware of what they have to go through, just like I know what the mages have to go through, just like I know how everyone else has their own problems with their own history. I get it. I understand how that works. And I appreciate that you did get so fired up about it. Because that shows you are a passionate, passionate Dragon Age fan, and you felt like you needed 
to stomp that into the ground and let me know that. And that is why I do actually genuinely appreciate the email. Thank you, C. But I won't apologize for being <laughs> so passionate about my sarcasm against Shiani. Oh, Jesus. As a side note, Shiani was pretty hot. She was pretty hot. She was pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. That's all I got. That's, that's, really, that's just the counter rant. I will say their, their argument... Their argument was incredibly good. I genuinely enjoyed reading that email. Yeah. They were very to the point. They explained in perfect detail the whole situation behind the elves. I liked it. It was well done. It really was. <laughs> I don't hate you, see. It might sound like I'm angry, but I don't hate you. You're coming through as very, very loud, and it's kind of breaking up the audio, so it sounds like you're screaming. <laughs> so that's all I got. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the additional content. <laughs> yeah, that was our DLC. <laughs> that, yes, that was. We'll exclude that and make you pay for it. <laughs> just go ahead and release uh, that part as 8.5, and it'll just be like a, a two-minute episode. Let's go ahead and just call it a night there, especially since I'm married, and I'm sure my wife is ready to stab me in the balls. I'm ready to stab you in the balls. That's not nice. You're not allowed to do that. I know, but I can't because, yeah, you're, you're, you're such a good sport. And even though you're wrong about a lot of things, you still did the show. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to hang up because I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no getting out of this anymore. I mean, how do we... <laughs> Nope. And that's the rest of the story. Good day.